Hello and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. My name is Jared Van Vorst and I'm your host for the show. And today is going to be another episode of Table Talk Thursday. And I want to give you a heads up. There is uh, a little bit of uh, mature content in this as they discussed a couple items in Judges 18 to 20. There's some uh, physical abuse that takes place and that one of the articles of discussion that they have. Um, that's all in the Bible, and uh, those are all things that, that need to be talked about, and so they do a great job of unpacking that. We also have a special guest with us, one of our staff members, Veronique Sweet, and she shares just a little bit more about her role as well. I want to invite you to subscribe to this podcast if you've never done so, and then go ahead and share it with somebody if you think this content might be helpful for them as well. And then lastly, I want to ask that you would prayerfully consider uh, contributing financially to Life Church Canton and the work that we get to be a part of. Uh, your giving, your contribution makes an impact and it changes people's lives. Um, and we're actually going to experience that on August 3 for New Life Weekend, New Life Sunday. People are going to get baptized. They're going to share their story. It's going to be a blast. So I might want to invite you to come out on August 30. It's going to be a lot of fun. Without further ado, here is Table Talk Thursday. Well, welcome to Table Talk Thursdays. Um, I am one of your hosts here, Daniel Fagbui, here with Pastor Nathan and a special guest. Great time for us to chat and talk and have life and do life together. Um, so Table Talk Thursdays, this happens every Thursday. You can send in all your questions, questions about life, questions about theology, most recent sermon, Remember that those questions are due in by Thursday evening. If you get them in after that, we will still accept them and put them on cue for the next show. We'll also follow up with some live questions. So if you have live questions, live comments, live follow-ups, we will follow as time permits and we'll follow up on those. Also want to just remind us to continue to pray for our nation, our world, our church. These are trying times and we're just praying for God's grace and God's mercy as we go through life and pray for those who have lost people who have had all kinds of uh, negative experiences during this season. And just pray for the world at large. So we're super thankful for God's grace, even in this season. I want to check in with the pastors. Pastor Jared is not here today. Um, his heart is to be here. He wanted me to share that with you, go, with you folks, that he wanted to be here. So we're praying for him and all that he has going on currently. Uh, but let's check in with Pastor Nathan. How are you doing, brother? How are you? Uh, I'm doing all right. Um, you know, between now and last week, very similar, getting excited about reopening. Uh, now knowing what school looks like for our kids, trying to figure out what kids uh, looks like in school. So there's a lot of uh, unknowns, but still really excited, realizing we only have a few weekends left before we'll be meeting together for baptisms and uh, just really focused on that. Um, also just excited about this weekend and being able to hear from um, David Booth, who is, uh, who is um, leading worship this weekend as part of an interview process as we continue to move forward with that and really enjoyed our time together last night and excited to see how people will experience him on Sunday. So that's a little insider information. You won't want to miss Sunday. Um, we'd love to hear back for it. So I'm excited. Kids are good. Everyone's healthy and really trying to just squeeze the sun out of summer uh, in these last couple of weeks before it potentially could get cold. Although September, we always have a hot week, which is 
absolutely the best. But finally, and I have to be honest with you, Daniel, um, my heart hurts a little bit. And it's not really that big a deal. But uh, there's no football. There's not going to be college football oh, for the Big Ten. And I am – I'm like, I'm like pouting. It's definitely a pout because it's not that big a deal, but I'm pouting. I'm like, I'm like, come on. Like, it's like, just like a, the knife's already in, right? But it's just like, let's just give it a wiggle there. There was something I was looking forward to. I was looking forward to it. But then uh, uh, I, uh, I heard this amazing joke and I'm going to share it for the people online. Daniel, I know that it's not going to hit you that hard. Veronique, it might, but it's someone who uh, I would say is not an OSU fan. It's actually a Penn State fan sent me uh a, a, a phrase from Twitter. And since we no longer are going to be able to have OSU football this year, the phrase is COVID-19 has now beat OSU uh, more times than Harbaugh. And I thought that uh, that was hilarious since Harbaugh is, is 0-5. And uh, at least that'll be continued to happen no matter what. I'm going to get blasted about that one, but I don't care because I just... It was funny. I even if it had been the other way, that's funny. I don't care who you are. That's funny. Even if it had been that that day had never beat uh, Michigan, I st- I still think it's a good time. So now that I've made everybody angry, how are you doing, Daniel? Um. Yeah. I mean, you had me in suspense. I'm sitting there. <laughs> I'm sitting there like, oh man, his heart's hurting, and I'm like, okay, um, what's going on? Um, but <laughs> okay, good suspense. Um, no, I'm well. Um, my heart started hurting when you start talking about it getting cold again. Um, so that's interesting. Mm. But um, yeah, no, I'm. Um, it's it's a unique season. We're doing well. Family's home, obviously, and we're doing life together. And it's been a week of just waiting through God's word. Has been uh, exciting and convicting. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm in a good place, and I'm thankful to God for that. And uh, I too am excited about. Uh, David and uh, what I've heard so far and the music and the gifts and the talent and even his heart um, for God and for ministry. So yeah, these are, these are hopeful times um, in a season that has been less hopeful than we would prefer. Well, we are joined here with this young lady who just met Christ last week. No, I'm joking. Uh, but we, we are, we are super excited to have uh, this opportunity to, to connect with folks who are um, sort of um, uh, unseen, um, the folks behind the scenes that make things happen, um, that help us uh, do the work of God and ministry in many ways that you can only imagine. And so we are joined here with Veronique, and uh, we're excited to have you. And we just wanted to, you know, have some good times, uh, conversations with you. So how are you doing this season? How is this unique season treating you? Oh, um, well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate that. Actually, I have to say, you know, Daniel, when you um, asked, hey, would you mind if we did a Table Talk Thursday? I think you recall my first expression was, you mean live? Like, you know, I am the behind the scenes person for a reason, right? You know this, right? I don't know if you knew that, but yeah. But um, yeah, so thank you for having me, though. Absolutely. Absolutely. As far as how I'm doing, I'm actually doing well. My kids and I have been surprisingly doing well um, for the COVID season and all of the stuff going on. It's, I have a household full of primarily introverts, except for my youngest. So she's the one who's probably the most having a hard time. So the rest of us were like, oh, this is, you know, this is fine. You know, we're we're doing what we got to do. And, you know, it's been a blessing to work from home and 
my uh, uh, other kids have been doing classes from home, college courses from home. Um, my youngest, like I said, she's 11, she's our extrovert. And so I've found that she kind of, going to different flowers, she'll come to each one of us throughout the day and just be here, pay attention to me. We, you know, pay attention to me, give me some attention. And then she'll go to the next one, hey, you know, spend some time with me. And <laughs> So we just um, appease that. Otherwise, um, otherwise, we've all been content. We've been doing well. We're healthy, blessed by God. He's been providing for us well. I can't complain in that regard. So, yeah. Well, can you hear me? Because my internet's being a little funky. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, I can hear you. It was a little delayed. That's what I thought. Yeah. 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 Okay. Are we good now? Are we good? Good enough. It's telling me all good. kinds of things. Here, I'll ask the question. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm sorry about that. It's probably because Veronique's somewhere in this building as well, sucking up the internet. So it's all uh, your fault, Veronique. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> question. What has been a blessing to your soul during this season? What's been a blessing in this unique season? Honestly, I will say just um, being well cared for you know, by God himself. It's, it is a trying season for so many. And I acknowledge that. And I just, it hurts my heart to know that a lot of people are just going through such a trying season. But um, I guess to have the personal touch by God, I guess I would say that he has to be seen by him, my family, my children and I, that we are well cared for, that we are well provided for and well cared for. And healthy and just witnessing that um it's been such a blessing to my soul and honestly being a part of something bigger some kingdom work um as um you may know i spent nearly 20 years working in a law office and as much as i enjoyed my work um it's been a blessing to come on staff because I have been able to just be a part of something bigger, some, you know, God's kingdom and kingdom work behind the scenes or not. To me, it's been a blessing for me as well. So, yeah, I guess I would just say those things would be, have been a big blessing for me, really. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could definitely relate to that, you know, even even moving from secular to sort of quote unquote sacred work. <laughs> um, it's just, it, it does have a different ring to it and it gives you a different uh, impetus behind and the thing that you of, do. To be a part of, honestly, you know, the, the church is our family. It just is, we, we are ultra connected with biological family. And so the church is our family. And so just to be, you know, playing an intricate role and to be a part of that is, is huge for me. It's such a blessing for me. Mm -hmm. Well, as you, um, uh, as you, as we think about you and your role here, tell us what you do. What do you do here at uh, Life Church Canton? Oh, um, gosh, I probably a shorter list is what you don't do, but sure. <laughs> well, I do a lot of behind the scenes stuff, like we already talked about a number of times. There's, um, um, it, with re I do administration. So I'm, my title is administrative assistant. So Sue and I kind of juggle the administrative behind the scenes stuff. Um, that includes basic office duties like uh, answering the phones. We get 
um, requests in for benevolence, requests for prayer or to speak with the pastor, questions about church services, you know, or events, things like that. Uh, I check the mail, make sure the bills are mailed out, handle filing, you know, things like that. And then a little bit broader, um, we have things like churchwide events. And so I help to organize things like that. Um, or even staff events, like staff meetings, making sure that those are organized and set up. And uh, more recently, that has been on Zoom. Um, so we don't necessarily need to, say, reserve one of the conference rooms or arrange food or things like that. But we've, you know, just setting those kinds of things up, making sure people are have RSCP'd, who's coming, who's not, making sure that kind of thing. Um, emails that come in to the church, like to the uh, generic church email, the info at lifechurchcanton.org come to me. So um, I respond to them or I make sure they go to the appropriate pastor or whoever they're, they might be uh, for. Um, in addition, you know, once upon a time when we actually had physical church services and had <laughs> such a long time ago. <laughs> I know, far, far distant. Um, when we actually had bulletins or church circulars, those were things that I was responsible for updating and then making sure they were printed. Um, and uh, we have this amazing group of administrative volunteers we call our A-team. I, I shout out to all my amazing A-team. Love you guys so much. You are such a key part of us as a ministry. But um, so I would also arrange to get in contact with them, make sure they were here to help bold bulletins or cut paper or any of the other things that we need to do, um, doing those kinds of things. Um, also our weekly U version app. Yeah. We have our sermon notes on that. I make sure that that's updated every week and do I help with updating our website, making sure that's up to date. Um, more recently, I've been helping Pastor Nathan with some of his scheduling, things like that. So basically wherever the need is, you know, so that yeah. can run smoothly um, behind the scenes, that's me. I jump in and I try to make myself available wherever I need, wherever I'm needed. Anything, I'm, my, my job is to I'm, I am used to, and um, it's how I have to run my home. It's how I have to run, ran the law office. It's how I how I do. It's just a gift that God has given me, just to juggle many things and make sure everything comes together smooth. That's my yeah. gift. Perfect. And how do how would people uh, connect with the U version if they wanted to see notes? How does that how does that work? How do they yeah, how do, they do so, that? Just for our listeners who are yeah, if they want to check out our sermons and notes and stuff. Yeah, so if you, I know that we have had our church services online and we'll be having live again soon, but for version, uh, you will need to download the version Bible app. Um, if you have that, it's available on your Android or iPhone devices. And, and it's free. It's free. And it's the most amazing app, I can't say, because you have many versions of access to many versions of Bible. Um which has been amazing, and sermon notes. So our sermon notes, if you go to events on the Version app, then you will see our Life Church Canton, and you can click on that, and we'll pull up the sermon notes for every week, and so you can follow along weekly as we have our sermon. It has all the Bible, the verses there, and any other notes that um, go along with the sermon. So 
That's great. Yeah, I think too, this week will definitely be one you might want to be pre-ready. Uh, this week's uh, <laughs> sermon has pr- uh, quite a few verses that you're encouraged to look up and Just a few. note of. Did, I mean, I think we only did half of what we could have, but I, I just want to let you know that if you want to try it out, this is a good week to do it. You will not be upset that you spent the time uh, necessary to get that going. But yeah, Bernie could do such a good job and professionalism really matters. And I know you're such a, you and Sue Allen are an incredible team that keeps our church running in a really positive way. Those things make a huge difference. Um, so it's, it's so good that we get to rely on you for everything that you do. Um, but one of the things that's important for us to check in with, and part of what I do when I have those conversations you help set up is this partner care, caring with partners which, and staff and leadership team and people in the church, is just that this is an incredibly difficult season. Um, so what are some of the challenges? Um, we talked about blessings was my last question, but what are the challenges that you're experiencing in ministry this series, uh, season? And uh, how are you working through them? In ministry, um, I guess I would just say um, I am primarily introverted, but I have, I call myself um, an extroverted introvert. So there's this part of me that still does need to have my connection, you know, with my people and whatnot. And so having that has been a little bit of a, you know, an issue for me, you know, connecting with people. I, it's been helpful for me just to reach out to people one-on-one and just connect over the phone, things like that, or do some social distancing, connecting in person. I prefer more a one-on-one versus a larger crowd experience being being primarily introverted. Um, so that it has been a little challenging and I'm so grateful that we are talking about having New Live Weekend coming up soon and, and doing that. Um, that's been helpful, but Another challenge, I guess I would say, is um, I am home, and I have three children at home with me, <laughs> and so that has been a challenge. I, I just, it, it just has. It's been a challenge. We've, I'll have to isolate myself into a room, may knock at the door, or may have needs that they have, and because I'm here and at the house, they think I have, you know, they have full access to me at any given point, so just um, kind of separating that and just saying, I will be back. I am over here taking care of other things. You'll have to, you know, sit down, wait your turn. I'll be back later and just kind of handling that. So I would just say, again, I juggle a lot, but um, juggling my household and the various um, different needs of each of my household members, you know, being a single mom, that's something that is a lot, (laughs) being a lot. So that has been a challenge. It's just, it's just a challenge. But we've been working yeah. through it. One good. of the things that we talk, yeah, one of the things we've been talking about a little bit is, is, um, you know, how how could we care for people um, who are single parents? If you were to speak to people who are friends of single parents or something like that, what what is helpful? What is something you appreciate? Mm-hmm. What is something that's actually not a burden that people could do to support you, but any single parent? Um, in there as we start to think about the season that we're walking into that's going to be I think especially hard on the single parents. Yeah I'm thinking about school starting Nathan you had mentioned that earlier and you know the Plymouth Canton School District um, my understanding is that they plan to initially go virtual only but will later potentially transition back into 
going back into the school and just just having that I'm like oh this means somehow I need to juggle homeschooling you know and doing that as a single parent it's not like you can tag team and hey you go handle so-and-so while I go over here and handle you know work or whatever you know so I have to juggle it all and, and in effect be the mother and father in my home you know and so it, it just is what it is. And so I would say if, for me, you know, personally, um, my household, my children, because of my circumstances, are unfamiliar with this term father. You know, they just really don't have that experience in their lives. Um, my younger daughter is um, a little bit of an exception to that rule, but my other children, not so much. So I'll tell you, one of the biggest blessings that I have experienced is when um, people want to come along and, and just come alongside of my children and, hey, how can I pour into you as an individual, you know, and, um, you know, and maybe have a little bit of a masculine ex you know, exposure to them. That has been helpful. It's been huge. Um, and, and, or even just, um, coming alongside, Hey, listen, I am juggling. I'm overwhelmed. I'm stressed. I'm, I'm doing so much. Even just saying, Hey, let me take your kids. When they were younger, it was helpful for them just to say, let me take, take your kids or is there anything I can do like that? Or can I, how about I just get that meal for you today while you can go on ahead and juggle the other things that you need to do. So, you know, dinner doesn't have to be worried about, you know, or things like that is super helpful. Um, financial needs. I've had, it's, I've been blessed where I've been, you know, like for us, vacation was a foreign concept. Vacation, what's that word? I don't have no clue what that is. And so to have be gifted, I was gifted this summer, even despite the COVID situation, I had a wonderful, wonderful um, sister who is in my small group who had offered for the kids and I to spend the week at her um, cottage um, and she and her husband and family use it on the weekends and she says no one is there during the week and you know it would cost you I'm, for me I'm like free that is within my budget oh my gosh and we can go <laughs> and have, have a blast and literally just be together and be on the water I was floored floored with the blessing and so to me having those kinds of things has been I can't say enough as a gift, especially just acknowledging that, you know, like I said, I've, I carry a lot of weights, multiple human lives are my responsibility. And so that doesn't mean just work. I have to care for them, have, you know, both all, all sides of all things. And so filling in the gaps is helpful. <laughs> filling in the gaps, you know, anywhere um, anyone is able to is, is, is a blessing. So hope that answers. Yeah, I mean, I no, it does. And I think I'm one of the things I'm blessed by is looking at you and observing you from afar is just how diligent you are to bring your children around the things of God and to ensure that they um, are encouraged to seek out opportunities to get to know God, even at this age. And so I'm super yeah. excited about that. And um, yes. yeah, thank you. Vital. Thank you for your example. Um, and thank you for just uh, continuing to persevere. And I'm thankful for God on your behalf, that he has given you the strength and the gifts to be able to persevere through these hard times, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have to give credit to God. I always say it. I'm like, people are like, how do you do it? I'm like, you just don't think. You don't think about it. 
I just, I have to keep my eyes on God and, my, and keep my eyes on Jesus and just keep moving. Just keep moving. And he, he fills it in. <laughs> How do you bite an elephant? One bite at a time. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Any last words, Pastor Nathan? And then we'll let Veronique get a last word that she might want to just share. And then we will, we've enjoyed our time with you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I would just say I'm, um, I'm so grateful to have you a part of our team that I'm so confident in uh, the kind of reception that people who come to the church, no matter where they're at emotionally, I know and I'm confident in what they're going to receive. And what that's going to be is care and love, kindness and diligence. And that makes all the difference in the world and helps people feel like they belong uh, right away. So thank you for being someone who holds that up and knows it's important and follows through and, and makes a big difference. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. My absolute pleasure. Pleasure. <laughs> oh, cool. Well, Veronique, any last words for the folks? Um, anything on your heart? No oh, pressure. Um, <laughs> I know we're in a, we're in a difficult season, but hang in there and know that the church is here for you. Um, I mean, uh, we are a phone call away or an email away. Um, if you're really hurting, if you're really dire and you're in circumstances, we, we all go through it. So reach out. Don't, don't do life alone. And know that we will be coming together soon for New Life Weekend. Woohoo! And um, yeah. <laughs> um, lots of good things still in the works here. So I would say Stay that. Tuned. <laughs> oh. Well, it's been a joy having you, sis. We thank you so much. Give those kiddos a hug for us. And we Love will you. see you soon. Okay. What a joy, man. Um, yeah. It also convicts myself, brother, because there's so many verses in the Bible that talks about caring for the widows and orphans and the fatherless. And um, I just wonder how that factors in. Not to say people aren't doing that, not as a sense of making anyone feel bad, but I just want us as people to just continue to see that as a part of our ministry, not just as a church ministry, but even as individuals um, being able to just you know, help people. One of the joys that I had in moving down here was first couple of months, man, it was such a joy. I was so spoiled. You guys showed up at the house, packed me in. It was just a joy. And then folks brought food every night. And I was like, hey, listen, y'all are, y'all are so kind. I got some bills. We could divvy it up, <laughs> like, you know, but it was just a joy to see the church, um, the church do that. But it, it, it need not have to be in those interesting circumstances alone. It should be part of our daily life. And and I'm saying that even more to myself yeah. than anybody else of just how do we care for those who we know are in need? Like there's one level of observing and then, you know, someone asking and then you go need, but then there's the next level of no, being able to actively search for where there's need and see where we can fit in. And it's as simple as just spending yeah. time with people. So I don't know how you think about yeah. that, but I think it's, it's huge. Yeah. I, I'm grateful. We do have things like LifeWorks that go after it. Mm. And we are doing some things with, with uh, in Haiti, um, with the orphan. We even have someone right now who made it down there to, to oversee the things that are going on so that the people who are down there can get some medical things taken care of. Even in this uh, um, COVID I, era? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Ethan. Oh, that's a joy. He, uh, he, he had to go down and go into a guest house by himself for 14 days at the place before he could even do, do anything, but he was willing to pay that price. So there's the, the big moments, right? But there are also the small moments. And I think you, you said it, proximity. You know, I, I love that we have small groups that all kind of look the same, 
but I've always been part of small groups that, um, exception of one, um, that have been from all walks of life. And what has taught me is the value of community to value that, but also to be able to step in and love people when it's necessary. One thing that's positive, if, if people are feeling like, yeah, I need to do a better job, it's like this can be something that you're really creative with. See, the love of God is creative. And so if you're creative in the way that you care for people, it can almost become fun to, to find creative ways to, to invest in people. And it almost means something more to them because it's not just, hey, I want to pay a bill, which maybe that's what God wants to do, but I want to show you um, how much God loves you in the overabundance of what he's doing. And um, I just encourage people to find creative, exciting ways to love people. Um, I think it's, it could be something that we gives a lot of life. I mean, you bring up an, an interesting point and, and perhaps a strong encouragement to all of us. Um, our, our small groups are sometimes homogenous, right? They look the same. It's men's ministry. It's women's. It's young people. But perhaps it's also a, a subtle encouragement to be part of maybe multiple small groups. Uh, where you can mix with people who can relate to you because you want to be able to have that connection and be able to speak, you know, um, sort of in, intelligently into someone's life. But maybe also consider joining a small group that doesn't look like you, um, that doesn't look like your circumstances. So you can hear what people are going through. One, I think that evokes a sense of courage, and uh, a sense of not courage, but uh, and a gratefulness to God. Um, of your circumstances, right? Not in the sense of looking down at people, but just saying, man, we all got it bad. Like, well, thank God for his grace and I'm thankful in this area. But I think it also allows you to see the humanity in other people and see how purposeful God has made you for this season and for that person. And you're like, oh, I, I have some time on the weekend and I can sort of be, you know, a, an example of what a husband looks like or a man looks like, or, you know, what a brother looks like. That That's great. And that's huge, folks. And that means more than just a material thing sometimes, the investment of your life in another person's life. So I just want to send that subtle encouragement, whether you're a part of Life Church or you're part of you're listening on a podcast, you know, know that one of the purposes that God has created you for is to be able to speak into other people's lives. And that's huge. So yeah, I'm super, yeah, that's a good thing to talk about. Well, um, yeah, well, we do have some questions, so we're going to move into that. And just know that you can always comment online <clears throat> on Facebook Live now or uh, even later on. Uh, you can always reach out to us if you're listening even on the podcast. And we'd love to follow up with you on any of these questions and that you may have. Uh, that's part of what we are here for, to spend our life um, knowing God together on this journey. So what the question that we have now, so I do want to give a little bit of a advisory um, to parents. Um, if your children uh, of a certain age, we're going to be talking about things that have to do with assault um, of a sexual nature. Um, so I want to make sure that you are aware of that and give you a few seconds or so to be able to um, sort of redirect your children if you're listening with children. Um, also, to anyone who's ever had that experience, that, that poor experience, I want to be sensitive to you. I don't want to re-traumatize you as we talk through this, but this is a a very intense passage that we're about to talk about, an intense issue. So I want to also give you some time there to uh, redirect yourself uh, in that process. Uh, but we will be talking about a issue of assault and it may lead into some other deeper conversations, but um, I just want you to know that and get that advisory out there. Uh, so 
With that said, we're going to now transition into this question. So this question comes to us anonymously. Um, and I have just sort of highlighted parts of it because it's a, it's a very well-written and but long um, question about a passage in the Bible. And so I want to make sure I capture the heart of it. So I'll fill in some blanks and then we'll I'll make some, some sort of high-level observations and then narrow in. And then, um, Pastor Nathan, you chime in and we'll just have some conversations about other instances in the Bible that this happens and what we can learn from those things. So uh, this person writes and says, I've always struggled with some of the Old Testament. Amen. Uh, and especially in trying to understand God's character. As an example, Judges 19, or more specifically, Judges 19, verse 22 to 26, speaks of a horrific injustice that gets me emotionally shaken up as I read it. I totally understand that, um, and I'll unpack what's happening there. Uh, essentially, again, this is where you want to sort of um, help uh, if you have been, if you've experienced trauma or you have, uh, you have little children, this is where you want to just redirect. Um, so there's an instance in Judges 19 where a woman uh, is viciously raped um, and assaulted or sexually assaulted to the point of death. Um, that's a very graphic place. In fact, it's more graphic than I've just tried to uh, sanitize it if you read the passage. So uh, this person writes and says she, you know, he or she has read this and it has them shaken up. It's a horrific injustice. I agree. And then goes further to say, Although that chapter is very disturbing and certainly worth a discussion on its own, my question is more about the following chapter, chapter 20, where it speaks more of God's response to the whole thing. In chapter 20, the people of Israel, in their attempt to avenge those acts, so the people of Israel are attempting now to avenge this assault that has happened. Uh, and, and I want to be clear, the assault happened not by one person, but by multiple men. Um, and so they, the, the offense went through Israel, and Israel now, in response to that, are visiting or attempting to visit uh, retribution uh, for this issue. And so this, this chapter, chapter 20, says, the people of Israel, in their attempt to avenge those acts, went to God three different times to seek out what to do. But two of those times, he allowed many Israelite men to be killed, although now, so I want to make sure I'm, I'm clarifying what's happening as we go. So <clears throat> Israel goes to God, sort of um, uh, the people of God as a whole go to God to say, hey, this injustice has happened in our town, in our city, in our country, and we're going to go down and we're going to repay them. We're going to essentially uh, kill them for what they've done to this woman. Um, and so they go up to God and God says, apparently, go. Uh, and go do that. And so, but yet they, they follow what they said, what they perceive to be God's um, uh, sort of response to them. But rather than being victorious, they actually end up meeting this other town and getting destroyed in the process, right? So, so the Benjamites or the, the sort of tribe of Benjamin uh, is where this assault took place. And the rest of Israel, and so some unpacking needs to be done there and what we're looking at. We have 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, one of them is the Benjamin tribe, and other tribes come together to say this can't stand. They go down to the town uh, where Benjamin, where, where the tribe of Benjamin is. They fight with Benjamin. Benjamin actually overcomes them. Uh, and so it seems like they're defeated for pursuing 
what would be a just cause, at least it seems. And so it goes further. And so um, this person now says, this is, of course, uh, yet a, um, so this person goes further is that, <clears throat> it says, it wasn't apparently until the third time. So they go to God two times to say, God, we're going to go down and we're going to fight because um, this woman has been assaulted. And God seemingly says, yes. And it wasn't until the third time that they go to God the third time after being defeated twice that God finally allows them to defeat the tribe of Benjamin. And so the question is, was this God's way of punishing his people for doing what they thought was best in their own eyes in the first place? I think you're on to something there. And then it says, and then the next question is, did they not seek God's direction? So, so it's perplexing, right? We go to God. He seems to give approval twice. We follow this approval. We go there and we get destroyed. And then she goes further or he goes further to ask this question. Yes, of course, this is yet another many of the examples of depravity. So we see depravity of them assaulting this woman. Uh, this is the sort of depravity of humankind apart from God. But again, my question is about God and how he handled the situation in chapter 20. Now, he says, she says, we can explain uh, human, human depravity uh, and our desperate need for God. But I'm confused when it comes to God's direction in the situation when they sought him out in the first place. So any thoughts that we would have? So let me see if I can, as much as I can, wade into this. Now, I know that even in my small, you know, explanations uh, throughout explaining this passage, um, there's a lot of more context that's needed. So I want to encourage you to read, again, if you haven't been assaulted or, or if you're not going to be traumatized by that, I want to encourage you to read chapter 19 and chapter in fact, I want to encourage you to read all the book of Judges because then you'll, you'll understand further what we're getting ready to discuss. It's a rough passage. It's a rough book. Um, so first things first is uh, Judges, and in fact, all of the Bible is mainly theological in nature. Um, so therefore, it's historically selective. I'm not saying it's historically incorrect, but it's purposely historically selective because it's pushing a theological truth. Uh, giving you an overview of humanity and overview of God's work throughout humanity, right? So it gives you that big 30,000 30, uh, view. It's a summary of God's work and people's ways. Now, when you look at ju judges and even the, old, the whole Old Testament, you will begin to see this cycle that's repeated. It's a cycle of God, the people of God apostatize or they walk away from God. Then in so doing, they are oppressed and they feel this big distress, and then they repent, and then God delivers them, and then they walk away from God again, and then they get into an oppressive situation, then they repent, then God delivers them, then they walk away from God. As It keeps going throughout the Old Testament, through our personal lives, but especially in the book of Judges, you see that. In fact, chapter one and chapter two are super important because they show Israel's compromise as soon as they get into the land of promise, or, or better yet, in our time, as soon as we become comfortable in our situations, we seem to forget God, and we seem to forget what God has called us to. And so as much as we dislike or hate hard times, they have a tendency to pushing us back to God. And so Israel continues to compromise with God, and they begin to live like the evil inhabitants of the land and worship other gods. And so God judges them. And so you see this already. As soon as they get into the promised land, they have already begun to compromise themselves. In fact, some people would even say before they got into the land, even in the wilderness, they begin to doubt God and to walk away from the things that God has showed them. 
Now, I say that to say because you begin to see the heart of this people as a whole. It definitely shows you the depravity. One of the key verses in this, in this book of Judges is, is chapter 2, verse 10. That, that, that verse is so key to what you see here. It says, after the whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors. So in other words, all of the generation <clears throat> that came out of Egypt, that went through the wilderness, after all of them had passed away, it says here, another generation grew up and knew neither Yahweh, the Lord, nor what he has done for Israel. Well, that's a key passage, right? Because one, it shows, and this is important for us even today, it shows that there was no passing of the faithfulness to God. It shows that this, the generation that came out of Egypt neglected their, their responsibility to, to teach their gen, the next generation about God and what God has done about the faithfulness of God. And so this grew to a new generation. And when it says no in there, it's not just knowledge, but it's also an intimate relationship with God. And so this new generation raised up and no longer knew God, no longer had a relationship with God. And so they became their own God. Again, that shows us the heart of the people in this text, that they have deviated from God and with every passing generation continue to get further and further away from God. And Hosea uh, chapter four says it this way, my people perish or are destroyed because they don't know me, right? They don't have the knowledge of and so that's important. So, so you're seeing the heart of this nation as a whole, not just the Benjamites, but the entire nation of Israel has been apostatized or has apostate or has walked away from God in heart and in deed. Now the chapter opens up really in, um, in, in chapter 17. So not so much 19, but the, the sort of preamble to this is chapter 17. And it says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. And everybody did what they thought was right, right? Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. It, it indicates that Israel's anarchy and injustice is as a result of them not submitting to God, yes, but also not having a central figure, a central authority, a central law, or a central kingdom. They had the law of Moses, but like we said, they have walked away from God. It illustrates their idolatry as a nation, how they worshiped other gods. Now, as you move into chapter 19 of Judges, in fact, you begin to see a parallel between chapter 19 of Judges and chapter 19 of Genesis, the issue of Sodom and Gomorrah, where, where this same type of incident happens with Lot. Now, I'm, I'm sort of giving you all these references because I think it's helpful to sort of set this table uh, of what's going on here. And then you see verses that tell you that they continue to neglect the things of God. In fact, even the relationship of the this man, um, with his quote unquote concubine who was assaulted was not a godly relationship in the first place. Now it, it was not, it, in fact, usually it may point towards someone who took a slave and made them into their concubine. Now there's a lot to unpack there. I won't spend time there, but a concubine was not a wife, was not a girlfriend, was not a, 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 um, a, and so your fiance it was someone that you simply used for your physical needs. And so the relationship was already ungodly. And so that kind of shows you this man's view um, of this woman. And then it says that, they, that she was assaulted by what are called worthless men. That word there means sons of Belial. Belial is a, is a term that connects to the, a false god called Baal 
Or it also means in very similar ways, you see this in the New Testament, it's also another description for Satan. So essentially these men who assaulted her were godless men. They didn't fear God, they didn't believe in God. And the whole nation as a whole already had an attitude that didn't believe in God. So that's what happens when God is no longer part of a country. When God is no longer central, depravity takes hold fully and people do whatever they feel is right. So again, not excusing the action, but understanding that this is what happens when God is no longer central. So all of that is happening in the background of this context. Centuries later, in fact, Hosea continues to say that this is the most wickedest thing that has happened in Israel in Isaiah chapter 9 and chapter 10. Now, as I narrow in deeper into the text itself to answer the question of what was happening, they went to God twice uh, and they got defeated twice, but until the third time um, is when it seems like they finally won and defeated and did what they were supposed to do, quote unquote, to uh, eradicate or to vindicate this woman who was viciously assaulted. Now, I want to make sure this is clear. I am never excusing the assault of any human being, especially women. So I want to make sure that as I, as I sort of explain the context, it is not to be an excuse for what they did, but it is to be a way of understanding that this is what happens to depraved people. Depraved people do depraved things. Now, before we move in deeper into the passage and to answer the question, Pastor Nathan, any observations, any, any, any thoughts that may jump out? <laughs> I'm sure there, there, there are many, but what, what, do you, uh, what, what, what could we be missing in this conversation? I mean, I, I think this is deep, and one of the things that you kind of acknowledge about it is that we're talking about a very different way of thinking, uh, the Hebraic or Semitic way of thinking, which still exists today um, in, you know, in the Middle East, is very different than our processing. There's feelings of honor and calling and things here, just even what he physically does to the body afterwards and sending it across to the 12 nations. All those things are very difficult to understand. So I encourage you though, that there is deep meaning in the midst of it and we can spend time processing. But, but again, just to reiterate, we turn away from what God chooses to do and what almost always happens is something terrible. And then God then utilizes that situation to draw his people back to him. So whatever God is going to do in the midst of this passage, it's to bring his people back into relationship with him and giving him glory. And the justice of God for all of us could be, you know, death and destruction. Mm -hmm. And yet he is trying to restore his people. Uh, you brought up Hosea, but um, there's this beautiful passage in Hosea too, is the first thing I ever preached, actually. First, I think it was the first huh? sermon I ever preached. On a, on a I'm big person church. <laughs> and um, I preached on Hosea because I'm crazy. And I, I said, God is going to take his bride and take everything away from them, destroy their vineyards, destroy everything, take them into the wilderness, and then punish them. Nope. Woo them. And so what God is going to do with Israel constantly through judges and is doing with the church even now is wooing. It's all for the purpose of bringing us back into the only person who can give us shelter, true shelter, true understanding, true hope, and true future. So that's just, I mean, you brought up so many good things. I just wanted to, as I'm processing and listening, those Absolutely. are the things that keep sticking out to me. Absolutely. 
Yeah, no, that's really good, 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 um, good things to bring up. So as we narrow into the passage, again, asking the question of why did it take three times before they would be able to be vindicated? And why would the Lord seemingly um, gaslight them and say, yeah, go? Um, well, I think you see a progression in their heart, even in this passage. The second defeat motivates Israel to return to a place called Bethel, which literally means house of God, where they then wept and fasted. So, so you see a progression from coming to God first to say, yo, who's going up to go kill these people? I assume they're using colloquial terms. Um, <laughs> and God's like, yeah, all right, go. All right, go ahead, go, go do it. Then they come back again. It's like, yo, who's going to go up this time? And God's like, yeah, all right, go. John, you go up or whatever. But then the third time they come to God, not to ask who's going to go up, but they now weep in sorrow, not simply for the assault of the woman, but in understanding perhaps and capturing the fact that as a whole nation, they have gone away from God. And as Pastor Nathan so eloquently said, this is what happens when you take God out of the picture. Or in the words of C.S. Lewis, there are only two types of people. There are those who say to God, your will be done. And there are those who God says to them, your will be done. Essentially, if you, if you disinvite God, then God allows you. You see this in Romans 1, a very convicting passage that God gives you over to your heart desire. Go and fulfill yourself. And for human beings without God, that's total depravity. That is the chaos that ensues. And so the second time they go, and not only do they go and fasten and weeping, they also present a burnt offerings. They essentially now follow the law of God. Now, I, now this is sort of sometimes we say this in theology. We don't want to, uh, we don't want to have an argument out of silence, right? Where Scripture doesn't speak, we don't want to speak for it. But you can infer a lot of things that have happened here. This is a generation that doesn't know God, that doesn't know the law of God. But yet now they come back weeping, remorseful, and then they follow God's prescribed law of burnt offerings. Not only that, we also see that when they finally come to God the third time, Phineas is there, which is a priest. He was never there before, which meant that they were also not following the protocol that God had given them. You know, you can't come to me just anyhow. Yeah. We, we have a grace and get right. Saul did we, that too. Saul did absolutely. that. Absolutely. His whole favor. He came in and he's like, I'm going to make some sacrifices. And they came and you're like, great. You just lost God's favor completely. Like, like you you're go. done. And then his go. life just went wow, like like. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. I'm sorry. I just I made the connection. No, it's good. Speaking and going, absolutely oh. right. It is this. It is this. This. This sense of forgetting the God that we are approaching. I think, especially in Christians, it's harder for us to to sort of capture that because of all we've gained in Christ, this access to God. But if a Jewish person was reading the New Testament a real sort of Jewish person who understood the rabbinical laws and, and the Hebrew laws, if they are reading the New Testament, they're like, what grace this must be to approach the God of the universe freely. And so what you have is them finally, it seems like, understanding that our question should not be, what do we, who do we go up and you know who goes up? Our question is, should we even go up in the first place? And even bigger than that, our question should be, what necessitated this? What caused us to be the type of nation where this type of atrocity could happen? And perhaps the epiphany came. We've walked away from God. And now they come to God finally. 
in a way that God has prescribed in Deuteronomy, in Exodus, in Leviticus, come to me through the priest, because that is the person that I have sanctioned to be able to come before me. And so they finally, for the first time, come to God. And so I think those things are helpful to help us understand what's happening in this context, is that they are choosing to dishonor God. And it's not until Phineas, the son of Eliezer, the priest, shows up in this context, and then they come and fast. And by fasting, they are humbling themselves before God. You know, they no doubt they had what's called sackcloth and ashes. And they, they just completely, whenever you see the word woe in the Bible, this is what it typically has in mind, this sense of I'm undone. I'm just sitting there and I'm like, oh man, I'm undone by the fact that I've sinned against God. I have committed this atrocity against God. We have walked away from God. And this is what happens when the chickens come home to roost. And now they yeah. finally have a heart. So, so God is not primarily concerned with your outward expression of worship, but it's that inward contrite, broken heart. That's what David talks about, right? That you will not despise someone whose heart is broken over their sin and remorseful about how they've walked away from you. So, so, so a big picture for, 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 the, for this person who asks this question is, yeah, I think what you see here is a progression of their realization that the assault that happened to that woman pales into compar- in comparison to the assault against God. And, and, and yeah. sort, of, sort of to kind of tease this out a little bit more, because at the end of the day, the assault against the woman is against God because she was made in God's image. That's a huge thing. God takes those things personally. And so as they assaulted her, they were assaulting God. And these people, they were angry rightfully, but they were more angry personally than they were on behalf of God. This was this yeah. is another level of human arrogance, right? I'm better than you, so I'm offended because you're not up to my star, standard. Rather than saying, no, I'm not up to God's standard. Neither one of us are, and, and I'm angry on God's behalf. And there should be a righteous indignation. And so perhaps what you see in here is an unrighteous indignation, which also plays back to what Pastor Nathan was talking about earlier, is that this is a cultural thing. Uh, you know, the sort of Hebrew culture is built on shame and honor. Right. And, and so there's a shame that this happened in our in our society, not a shame because we've done this against God, but because we personally are feeling attacked. So they were unrighteously indignant and they go to go fight something that God didn't sanction. And if you would notice, finally, on the third time, not only did God say go, God actually said go and you will be victorious. And I, and I want to I want to point out to uh, why this stuck out to me so much, because this verse 28 you're referring to and Phineas is now the one, not just the people, which, mm-hmm. by the way, um, cutting up a body and sending it to people is something a heathen would do, not with someone who followed God, the desecration of life and body. Anyways, so the whole way they got together wasn't of God. Like I just you could just dig more and more out of that unrighteous uh, indignation. They were there and. Yeah, and, and Phineas, um, who's now the priest, says, and I love this, two things you got to point out. Shall I yet again go out to battle against the sons of my brother Benjamin, or shall I cease? Which, we're going against Benjamin, so that's a tribe of Jews, that's a God yep. thing. It's not just the heathens, this is people in-house. In and he says, or shall I cease? There was never a question of like, should we not do this? It's like, well, who should go first? Mm-hmm. You know, like, yep. and it was this idea. We're like, oh, here, yeah, you can go. And they lost tens of thousands of people. But now they're admitting, I will stop God. Yep. They said that it won't. And then in the version in the NASB, the Lord's response was, go up for tomorrow. Tomorrow, I will deliver them yep. into your hands. See, the problem is, and this is what I think applies to us today. The question was, 
was this God's way of punishing people um, for what they were doing wrong in the first way, place or punishing for not seeking his direction? I'd say, I don't think it's about necessarily punishing. Now, God does that and he says it. It doesn't say in here, he's saying, I'm punishing you. The 40,000 people or so that died is because you didn't do this. We don't have that. What he does infer is I will deliver them in your hands, indicating what you were doing was not in my will or getting behind what I was doing. You were doing it in your own power. And here's the thing. We think God is a God of justice and he does punish us, but sin primarily is not doing what God wants to do. The consequences of sin is death because it's not how you were made. So what I see here is them saying, not him punishing them, it's allowing them to break themselves on something that wasn't his will. And we do the same thing as Christians today. Today, we do the same thing. We say, God, I want you to bless the decision I have already made. Instead of going on our knees, weeping, saying, God, what are you doing? And can I be a part of it? And that's where God's blessing falls on your when you're a part of what he's already doing. That is so good. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the heart of it, right? You know, as in the words of Rick Warren, it's, um, it it is, I stopped saying, God bless what I'm doing. And I, and I started saying, God, what have you blessed and show me so I can do that. Right. It's, it's the equivalent of trying to create a wave versus riding a wave. You spend all day trying to create a wave it's not going to happen. Um, and, and that's what you have. Right. And then, but thank God that we also see in that picture, a sense of what repentance looks like. Repentance looks like you coming to God and repenting one, stopping from what you're doing and being willing to, to allow God to say what you need to do in a sense. Right. So, so not only are, we're not going to necessarily write a contract and say, God, fill this out. We're going to just sign it at the bottom, say, God, fill in the contract, however way you want, put in whatever demands, whatever terms that you prefer. And so we're not going to say who's going up. We're going to say, should we even go up in the first place? And God does it and God does it. And so, but, but here's the thing. So hopefully it answers that question. That's the heart of it. It's, it's, it is their unrighteous indignation. It is their, their unwillingness to see God in this picture. It is not following God. There are natural precepts that God has put in place that if you sin, this happens. It's not this sort of uh, um, um, arbitrary system that we have, but I think even more, I mean, this is not the only instance in the Bible where something like this happens. Can you think of any that come to mind, like as you think about it, like any other incidences in the type in the Bible? Uh, I mean, I can think. Yes, this this definitely happened quite a bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, like I, I mean, first obviously, Sodom and Gomorrah comes to mind. Sodom and Gomorrah, yeah, I thought of that. They they just they destroyed a lot of a lot of towns they did. to the man. They did. There was now, the and then the, the said, man who wanted to assault the man as well. Same, similar sex yeah, circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. Akon, um, the Valley. Of oh, yeah. Akon. Yeah. yeah. So th- where they didn't do it, they didn't, t- didn't do exactly what God told them. And so then yeah. they went out. So like basically destroy everything. Don't keep anything. Yep. Some one dude kept things and then yep. they went out to fight the next time and got destroyed. Yep. Yep. And then yep. they were like, yeah, it's because of this dude. This dude kept it. So they drew by lots. And basically figured out who it was. And he's like, yeah, I have all this stuff. And then the ground swallowed him whole. <laughs> then they started winning again. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, think of, I think of early when um, a, a, a woman, one of the sisters got raped. Um, yep. And so Dina. they didn't like that, Dina. Yep. And so the, they were evil. It says that they were being wicked. And they said, okay, well, fine. 
we want to marry you guys, but you got to be circumcised. So the whole town circumcised themselves. And then these, and they, these uh, the men, the tribes of Judah, the, the, the patriarchs of these tribes we have today, went in and just killed everybody while they were all like, you know, sore from having the foreskin mm-hmm. taken off. We already did the parental advisory at this point. So we're good. But like, <laughs> so we're kind of yeah, good. I, this is, so if their if they're great, 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 great granddad, Benjamin and Judah and all these people were like it, well, it's human nature, and that's what's yeah. going to go on. So there's no surprises here. No, no, no shocks. And, and you would think once they've learned from this that they will repent, but they continue in the next chapter to continue to be depraved and, and, and take women against their nature. This is the cycle that I talk about, right? They, they, they walk away from God. They feel pain and depression and distress. They get delivered by God, and then they walk away again. And in the very next chapter, chapter one, what do they do? They take women against their own will again. It's this ongoing cycle. Rather than trusting in God, they continue to use human efforts to accomplish godly ends. And you see this all through the Bible. I mean, you see this type of depravity even in Abraham prostituting his wife in Genesis, I believe, chapter 11. Oh, don't, don't tell him you're my wife. Tell him you're my sister. And then, and then people take her and say, we're going to have relations with her. He's like, okay, that's okay. I'm scared. I don't want to die. You see it in Jephthah. I think, I think also in the book of Judges, isn't that Jephthah? Jephthah is also actually judge. Judges of chapter 11. Jephthah essentially burns his daughter as a life sacrifice. The word that's used there is a whole offering. He offers a burnt human sacrifice to God. You see this all through. You see this in David raping a woman and then killing her husband to cover up the rape. I say this all the time. Soap operas have nothing on the Bible. This is, yeah. this is a great apologetic yeah. for the Bible. This is not, this is not yeah. intended to say, so I want to say two things. One, this is one of the ways that I am, one of the ways that I, that I have confidence in the veracity of the Bible, because if you were trying to make up a story, I would not include this, not as a character of God's people. God's people would have been perfect in my book if I was trying to create a story. And I think secondly, this is also a reminder that when you read the Bible, you must be able to make a distinction between what is prescribed and what is being described. It's a difference between prescription and description. There's a lot of things that are described in the Bible that are not prescribed for you to do. And if you walk through the whole Bible as God's specific word to you, and it's all about prescription, then you, you'd be assaulting women. You'd be chopping up their bodies. You'd be doing all kinds of atrocities. I mean, so, so we have to sort of help ourselves to understand how to sift through God's word. But it's raw, folks. It's real because we serve a real God that wants to continue to remind us of how much we need his truth and how much on our own, left to our own vices, we would destroy this planet. And we've already done that in many ways. Think about the countless millions of souls that have been lost because of injustices throughout our society. This is a grave injustice to assault a woman, multiple men. We don't get a count of it, but it's a lot. Multiple men, just the word it's, that's used in this text is the word ravish. That's just so disgusting till she dies. And the husband or concubine leaves her out there to be assaulted. We haven't even talked about that since, and we don't have enough time to break that yeah. down, but that's, that's a huge. He stands by and watches her and even offers her to be assaulted. And that yeah, and then uses her death as a way of, of uh, rallying a bunch of people. It's it, yeah. We don't, I think we gotta we gotta close it up because we're getting yeah. close. We're over time. We're over time. Okay, sweet. The, well, for, yeah, we're over time. <laughs> okay, go ahead. 
It's good. On you, no, no, on you. I just, we're over time. No, I, I think for me, man, justice matters to God. We see yes. the perpetual heart of people is that we continue to and do the same things wrong again and again and again. We have the Holy Spirit to bring conviction in a way that maybe they didn't have um, because they only had prophets, which means we have to continue to see that if in our country or in the church we have committed crimes and we have repented of those and turned away, it doesn't mean that those things aren't still there or still cropping mm. up because the preponderance of evidence from the mm. Bible mm. points to the fact that we will return to our sins like a dog to vomit, mm. which is – okay. <laughs> Yay! That's scripture. Uh, (laughs) That's all I got, man. And we will end on that note, folks. We thank you. Uh, I'm sure for so many people that was a a unique passage to wade through, so I want to encourage you to read through it, understanding some of the things that we've shared today. Um, And reach out, folks, if there's anything that is a difficult passage to understand. That's what we're here for, to help you, uh, give you resources to help you with those things. We love you guys so, so much and thankful to serve you and to serve God through you. God bless.